Good morning. You know, um, it's just going to be a few moments and then we're going to be about our day. Uh, let's just close our eyes again and just, again, ask God to reveal himself to you. Lord Jesus, again, we ask you, Lord, to reveal yourself to our heart. We ask you would penetrate, Lord, those thoughts that are foremost in our mind. Lord, we ask you to penetrate, Lord, any anxious feelings, Lord, or things that we're going through. Lord, help our heart to tune in to receive from you today. Lord, in your word, you said the thoughts that you have towards us are like the sands of the sea. Lord, we can't even count them every day. God, help us today to even be able to collect even 10 or 15 of those thoughts. Pray for the activity of your Holy Spirit. Lord, it's you living in all of us, Lord, who will invite you in. We pray for just incredible manifestations of your presence and there'll be more stories. There'll be more people getting up next week telling about the resurrection life you're bringing to them. God, I pray you just open your word today in Jesus' name. You know, we talk about the resurrection and um, it means to get up again. And resurrection is just not a one-time thing when you come to the Lord and you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and you realize you're a sinner and you realize he died to pay for your sins and to reconnect you with God. But as a believer, you begin to realize you need to get up. You need resurrection life every day. Paul wrote this in Philippians 3, verse 10. And I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. For my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power overflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even into his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while I'm in the body. And also one, another scripture for those who are walking this walk of learning to be a follower of Christ. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. And so no matter what circumstances you find yourself in today, there is power and there is resurrection life for you in your circumstances, in your emotions, in what you're facing. Tell my message today is look, the Lamb of God. And how many times maybe this week you saw something and you got a family member or a friend, look, look, look. You know that excitement we get when we see something. Our key scripture today is John 1.29. With great excitement, John the Baptist said, Behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John had gone before Jesus and he was proclaiming that one, the one who's been prophesied, is about ready to come on the scene. And he had this excitement brewing in him. He didn't know who Jesus really was. But he had this excitement because the Holy Spirit was bearing witness inside of his heart that the Messiah was coming, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world what is on his way in. And so he, he said that in John 1, 29. He comes to take away the sin of the world. 
I really believe if you don't remember anything today of what I said, remember, behold, look, the Lamb of God is here. All of us need that thing that we look for. I, I remember as a young man waiting and praying all these years, and then I was going to get married. And I remember as I saw Dory for the first time coming down the aisle in her wedding dress. You know, that thing that holds our attention, God is reminding us today to look to the Lamb, to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've, uh, you feel something stirring, even that you're here today, and you're wondering, what is this? I, I feel something strange. It's the Holy Spirit bringing a revelation of Jesus Christ to you, telling you that I have a, pla- a path for you. I have a relationship with God for you, and I'm trying to stir you. And I'm asking you today to begin to look to the Lamb of God. In the Bible, you know, God uses sheep as, as an example for us of uh, who we are because sheep are so much like who we are as, as people. And when you see in the Old Testament how um, God began to work with uh, bringing up and raising up people, he was raising up the, the Israelites, he was raising up the children of Israel so he could reveal himself he began to raise up Jacob. And you remember that story where he sends Jacob out. He's going to look for a relative, and he's actually going to go get married to uh, Rachel. And when he meets Rachel, she was a shepherdess. And so she was already tending sheep. And, you know, when they got together and they began to start Israel, you know, when Israel as a nation became to get get together with all the relatives that came out of his marriage with Leah and those different people, that there was this thing that God was beginning to do, and he was doing it around sheep. And so when you read through the Old Testament, there's a lot of uh, connection with sheep. Sheep are fearful. They scare kind of easily. Um, they they kind of don't. Uh, a lady who has sheep was telling us that, you know what, it seems like they lose their ability to really uh, even think or remember the older they get. They're, they're very um, docile, they're very submissive, and they're very humble. Jesus is known in the scriptures as the shepherd of the sheep. And Jesus was the shepherd, and also he was called the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, we read in Exodus 12, and you can write these scriptures down and maybe look them up this week. But when God was ready to set the children of Israel free from the 430 years of bondage that they had suffered under the Egyptians, he set up the Passover where they would take that lamb and they would kill it and sprinkle the blood on the doorposts. And that blood was a representation of how We come to Christ and we accept the sacrifice for our sins that he made that we might have eternal life, that our sins might be forgiven us and we might come into this relationship with God. And so that night as the children of Israel, it says all, if you were to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 5 through 13, it specifically says um, that they, all the members were to slaughter that sheep. They were to take that sacrifice and that blood was going to allow that when the death angel passed over to judge the Egyptians, every house where the children of Israel were, when, when the death angel saw that blood, he passed over and none in that house were affected. None of them experienced the death in, in, in their firstborn. And so there was that activity of the Holy Spirit that was moving to bring salvation, but there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be that lamb that was sacrificed.
when Moses um, encourages the people to continue to uh, have this Passover celebration, they were reminded to take that sheep. In Exodus 12, 21 through 25, then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Again, he tells them to take that blood and put it on the doorpost and on the frame. And in verse 24, he says, Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. You know, in our culture today, we celebrate Jesus' death being the Lamb of God who died for us and his sacrifice for sin. So we take communion. And today, you're going to have an opportunity to take communion. And it's our remembrance that the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, that he died for us, that our sins could be forgiven, and that we could come into relationship. And it's so key for us to look continually at the Lamb of God. Because even though we accept Christ, there is a constant temptation in, in our, um, our mind, and the enemy's always trying to get us to go back, get us to go into some kind of sin that's going to separate us into relationship with God. It's interesting also, too, that Exodus, God gave Moses a command of how they were to continually offer lambs. And this is Exodus 29, 38 through 42. This is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day. So every day after they came out of Egypt and they set up the the tabernacle of Moses and God was showing them how to have relationship with him. And it was so key that the lambs were slaughtered. Two every day were slaughtered. And what that was was when their blood was shed, it allowed God, because the way God had set up sacrifice and being able to relate with us is the blood of an innocent lamb. It was that representation that when he saw the blood, he could come close to the people and he could have that fellowship and he could bless and protect them. This is what you were to offer on the altar regularly each day, two lambs a year old. Offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. With the first lamb, Offer a tenth of the ephah of finest flour mixed with a quarter of a hen of oil and pressed olives and a quarter of, w- of a hen of wine as a drink offering. Sacrifice the other lamb at twilight with the same grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to God. Now they did this again to bring into fellowship, Lord, you know, the children of Israel and, and to like appease the sins before God so he could come in fellowship with them. And it's interesting that that second lamb was offered at twilight and it was a sweet offering and it's a representation of how Jesus would come to die for us. And it seems strange to us, but it was pleasing to God. It was a sweet smelling sacrifice when Jesus went to the cross for us. And think about your sins. Think about the things that you've been ashamed of. Think about the things that have separated you from God or maybe even now it makes you feel like I can't go to God. I, I have to get my life together before I come. That, G- that God loved us so much that Jesus took our place. That God loves us and wants so much intimacy and relationship with us that he sent Jesus to die. Here's what verse 42 says. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance through the tent of meeting before the Lord. And there I will meet and speak with you. Again, today, we can put faith in what Jesus did on the cross, the Lamb of God dying for us, that no matter what our thoughts tell us, no matter what we're dealing with inside that would try to separate us from relationship with God, He wants to meet with us. He wants to speak to us. 
And th those are the things that are so important for us in this time that he is someone that wants to relate and love us and be there for us. Isaiah 53, 4-7. Isaiah the prophet. You know, I was thinking about prophecy. You know, for us who read the Bible and uh, listen and try to be attentive in our, in our own spirit to receive from God and, and sometimes just receive those prophetic thoughts that he has, you know, it's a challenge for us uh, to believe prophecy because we're human. We're, we're connected in this life and those who've accepted Christ, you have your foot in both worlds. But when you think of God, prophecy is no big deal. God is so perfect, he can write down and tell people in advance what's going to happen because he knows he's going to fulfill it. And so the prophet Isaiah was one of those prophets that God let him know what was going to be happening, and so he wrote this. Isaiah 53, 4-7. I'm reading it out of the NIV. Surely Jesus took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, breaking a law. He was crushed for our iniquities, injustices, and immorality. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of all of us. All of us here 2,000 years ago, we weren't around. And yet Jesus knew that we would be in this generation. Jesus knew that we would need a Savior. We would know that he knew that we would need to know the love of God. He, know, he knew that we would need someone to pay for our sins that we might have eternal life with him. And so he decided he would die for us. It says in verse 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and he did not open up his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open up his mouth. In Matthew 26, 59-63, Jesus fulfilled this. And Matthew writes, The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. Again, Jesus was innocent like the lamb. Like those lambs that were hundreds and hundreds that were killed, you know, over the years. Again, to appease God so he might fellowship. But Jesus was silent before his shearers, before those who would crucify him. He accepted the punishment for our sins. Isaiah continues in 53, 8 through 12. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned to a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. You know, sometimes we have to just stop and really grasp that. You know, sometimes we, we just get kind of flippant in how we might consider that God loves us. But really, when you think again that it was pleasing to God to crush Jesus for us, that speaks of a love so great for us 
That's a love so much that God wants to extend to each one of us personally. You know, we experience it on worship on Sundays, but it's really on your own as you walk with him, as you tell him the things that hurt you, as you let him into the, your problems, as you give him uh, access to the, the plans you want to make and the decisions you want to uh, carry out and the jobs you want to work at. It is God who wants to reveal his plan for you. He has the best plan because he loves you more than anyone has ever loved you or even could love you. The greatest person you might have ever loved that even could die, God is always there. If you've had parents that somehow were not be able to be there for you, God comes to be your father and your mother. He comes to be that, that parental figure that maybe you didn't know. And if you had the best parents, let me tell you, I had the best parents. I had Christian parents. But I tell you, at eight years old, God began to love me. He began to reveal himself, the Father's love to me, and I have never experienced anything like the love of God. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made the intercession for the transgressors. In Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Jesus Christ was crucified for the world's sins, and I am crucified with Christ, and now I'm free to live. He absolved our sins. He forgave us our sins. We are no longer under the guilt of sin. Some of us are bombarded oftentimes for things that we did in the past. Maybe we did some horrendous things in the past, and the enemy is always trying to uh, bring condemnation on, on us. But the Bible says the blood of Jesus is so powerful because God forgets our sins. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our sins through Jesus Christ. As, as in the deepest part of the ocean, if you were to go to the Marianas Trench and try to find your sins, that's how deep they are. God does not see it. So this is the day for us to be able to look to the Lamb of God. Again, if you're feeling like condemned or if you're feeling like there's a sin in your life or something that's kind of hanging on and it always seems to pull you back, today you could extend it and put it on the Lamb of God. Is our Lamb here? You have a little piece of paper. And today, you know, you... It, Yeah, in your seat pocket. Maybe, I don't know if there's, a, do you have enough light to, to write down what, you're, what you need to do? But there's a, a little piece of paper. And we have a real lamb today just as a, a visual of how innocent the lamb of God is. And so I just want to suggest that if there's something Is there something on your heart or maybe even something as a Christian that you're wrestling with that you could write it down on that paper as a symbol of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who took away our sins? We're going to put all these cards in this, on this Lamb in this little pouch, and that Lamb's going to walk out the door. But today is the day for all of us to behold the Lamb. God wants to change our lives. He wants to continually transform us 
and cause us to be new. You can see the innocence, huh? The sweetness, that's our Jesus. The tenderness of, of God's heart to us to be a sacrifice, to be one who would take our sin. Today, if you are struggling with something, God wants to release the power of the Holy Spirit to change us. You know, if we had people share, there's many people who have had experiences where their lives were transformed or they were delivered from some kind of sin or some kind of stronghold. We all have different stories. But sometimes we struggle with things. But it is the Holy Spirit. No matter how many times you struggle, today is the day the Holy Spirit wants to set you free. The Holy Spirit wants to set you on a new course where you can experience resurrection life like Jesus intended. Where you experience walking with the Lord and having His power change your life. Having, giving you a new future, erasing and really helping you walk forward and leaving your past. 